the Talent Experience Podcast featuring authentic conversations on the future of work. Empowering you to better understand and deliver a best-in-class, future-proofed career experience. For more insightful conversations, visit talentexperiencepodcast.com. We hope you enjoy this episode. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Talent Experience Podcast. I'm your host, Susan Lowe, and our guest today is Megan Hansen. As the Chief People and Culture Officer at Smartsheet, Megan is responsible for attracting, retaining, and developing world-class talent. She assumed her current role after serving as the Vice President of People at Smartsheet, where she led the integration and execution of the talent acquisition, talent management, people partnerships, diversity, equity, and inclusion, and so much more. Megan, a very big welcome. It's so wonderful to have you join us, and thanks for being here today. Thank you, Susan. And that intro just reminded me, I really need to update my bio. That is really boring. (laughs) So that's a takeaway note for me. (laughs) If you're anything like me, you probably hate writing those things. Uh, You know, yeah, I think it's always so hard to kind of talk about the balance of what you've accomplished and what you're passionate about. And, you know, there's, it's like, there's the elevator pitch and the um, airplane pitch. I kind of joke sometimes like, you know, and the international flight to boot, right? Like (laughs) how long do I have? And then I can fill in that space, but I'm excited to be here today and get a chance to connect with you. Obviously talking about something that's near and dear to my heart and um, topics I'm really passionate about. So where do you want to go? What do you want to talk about? Well, maybe our first question will help you um, think about um, what to include in your updated um, pitch. Um, We would love to know, and our listeners would love to know, um, how did you first get into um, kind of a people-centric role? What brought you to realize you wanted to be a chief people officer? Yeah, great question. Um, you know, I don't think I actually knew exactly what I was uh, what I was getting into in the early days. <laughs> um, I when I was at university, um, I was pre med, and I was very sure I was going to be a physician and follow in my father's footsteps. Um, and I was double majoring in um, psychology and biology. My mother's a therapist and my dad is a physician. And I've always just been drawn towards helping professions. Um, I realized towards the end of my program um, that it wasn't actually what I wanted to do. And so I spent some time soul searching um, and, and kind of realized that what I was really drawn to um, was systems. And the human body as a system was the thing that I had always resonated with the most in my pre-med studies. Um, And so then I started to explore what was kind of an emerging field at the time around organizational systems, Um, ended up um, getting an opportunity to work um, in human resources. My first job was as a recruiting coordinator (laughs) and um, and eventually went and got my master's in organizational development and have really kind of honed in on how I can help organizations looking at them in a very similar way to, you know, kind of a um, a complex system like a human body. And a part of it um, is around, you know, okay, well, what do you want that body to do? And then how do you hone in on the skills and capabilities that you need in order to achieve whatever those goals are? And so, Surprisingly, I would say a lot of my early education 
um, around, um, you know, the human body and, and kind of thinking about a physician plays into the work that I do today, although I never in a million years would have, would have made that connection um, on the early end. Yeah, and I and, and I love that um, that connection and that analogy. And I think um, you know, and um, you look at your career and the things that you've really invested. Um, I think says a lot about that passion and 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 that connection that you can see. Um, so let's talk about one of those passions um, that certainly I've inferred from 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 looking at um, the the work that you've done um, and that is di- diversity equity and inclusion um, I think you know it would be fair to say it's such an important topic in today's world of work um, how do you um, focus on on getting the entire company um, you know from individuals right the way through to the leadership and the board um, on board with um, <laughs> DE&I initiatives? Yeah. I mean, it's a conversation we've been having for a long time, and I know it looks different in different parts of the world. Um, I think one of the most important things is to ensure that you're tying your DEI work into your company strategy and that it's not an add-on. In particular, in this current you know, environment, I think we're reminded that things that feel peripheral start to be questioned. <laughs> um, and so it's really important that DEI does not sit in that space of being something that feels like it could be cut at the first you know, need, um, but is truly core to who you want to be. And again, I would kind of maybe parlay back to the analogy we were talking about earlier. It's like, what do you want this system this organizational system to be able to achieve? And then what are the different mechanisms that you are using? Like, what are you putting into it? How are you working it? What are you getting out of it? Like all of that ties together to achieving that strategy. And I think, um, you know, ensuring that the organizational system is diverse and that the people who are there feel like they can show up and be their best selves um, you know, you, when you feel included, the I, um, you know, it's one of the, uh, one of the analogies talks about like diversity is being um, invited to the dance and inclusion is like wanting to be on the floor, right? Like, uh, you don't want someone to just be invited, but then feel like they should sit in the corner. Like the, I want them on the floor, like show me your moves. So, <laughs> you know, we want to ensure that we're creating a space where everyone feels like they can dance freely. Um, and then you truly get that diversity and, and the, and, um, you know, the, um, the equality piece is, is clearly, you know, central to keeping people in your organization as well. Cause they want to know that they're, you know, having those same opportunities and, and their voices being heard and all of that. So again, I think it's, it has to be core to the strategy of the company. Um, we also, um, are on our second year of tying, um, some of our, our, um, DE&I goals, um, you know, into uh, what we hold our leaders accountable for. Um, and so making sure that it is very clearly kind of connected into, you know, potentially reward levers or things like that, that, that also brings some accountability into the equation is, is really important. Um, and again, I think ensuring that you're also being mindful of the fact that it's, um, you know, the way we think about it really is uh, is a three-part deal. They're not synonyms. They are different things, and you need to focus on all of them. You can't just be, 
you know, hiring folks from diverse backgrounds, but then not thinking about how um, they're, you know, being included in your organization. So you, ha you have to kind of think about all the pieces. Did that answer your question? <laughs> yeah, no. Awesome, awesome to hear okay, good. some of those examples. I think um, I completely agree. I think weaving it, it has to be integrated. It has to be kind of part of the DNA of the, the organization. Have you got yeah. kind of any tips for, you know, for people that, that maybe are sitting back going, that's where I want to get. I want to get to the, that place where, you know, people sh are showing me their moves on the dance floor. Um, have you got any tips for those people that, that are sitting there going, how do I, how do I get there? How do I achieve that? Um, yeah. I mean, a couple of things come to mind. One, I would say, you know, take a moment to step back and do an assessment of your organization and try and find where your barriers are. Like, what are the things that are getting in your way? And there are organizations that can come in and help you do that if it's helpful to have a fresh set of eyes or, um, you know, if you know you have a leadership team who would respect a outside voice maybe a little differently, there's some really good, um, you know, there's the, um, uh, there's a, a disability index, um, there's an equality index, there's, you know, there's a lot of different kind of tools that can help um, help build that out. But I think that's a good way to kind of know what are you, what are you up against? Um, I think um, being mindful around uh, non-traditional backgrounds is something I have always been really passionate about. Um, you know, a lot of organizations just do what they've always done before or, you know, think about what their neighbors are doing. But some of the job requirements that folks put on, res like put on um, job descriptions, um, rule out huge populations of people unnecessarily. And so I think there's sometimes just some of those simple motions, like look at the thing that you're doing regularly. And are you, are you, are you um, ruling people out unnecessarily? And is there a way to remove some of those barriers? Um, and then also, I think there's always opportunities to be thinking about pathways and partnerships. Um, we don't have to do it on our own. And mm -hmm. that's a lesson I think I learned later in my career than I wish I would have. Um, there's so many great organizations. Like in the U.S., we refer to CBOs a lot, community-based organizations, um, that are coming alongside all sorts of different groups and populations. And in the employment space, they're often just looking for employers to partner with them. And they're putting a lot of work into helping people be employment ready. Um, you know, finding those partnerships, thinking about some of those organizations um, and reaping the benefit of the amazing work that they're doing can really skyrocket the pace with which um, you can just do something different. Um, and to that, I would probably end with um, a great article I read once upon a time. I don't have it at my fingertips, but the gist of it is that speed is the kryptonite to diversity. Um, and so I think just slow down, slow yourself down, slow your leaders down, like give yourself the space to make mindful choices versus just doing what you've always done before, which is always the fastest way. Um, you will never do something different if you're working under a time crunch. So like be really thoughtful of the impact that speed has and think about ways that you can try and 
um, add in space to try new and different. And that's really, I think, one of the most important things you can do to move your move your DEI needles. Mm. I think that's great advice because I think also that space allows you the time to to do it really authentically, um, which yeah. I think is is also really important. Um, because if it's not authentic, then it doesn't become you know an, an integrated yes. part of your culture. Yes, yes, totally. And and I would add, it also keeps you from doing something in what could be. You know, even if it's not intended to be what could be a really performative way. Like I'm just doing the thing to check the box, but it's not actually meaning anything. It's not actually, um, you know, connected to who we are. Totally agree. Yeah. Um, and I think a great um, talent tip there in terms of, you know, partnering with other organizations um, when it comes to kind of um, bringing that diverse talent into your organization. Have you got any other kind of talent initiatives um, or, you know, things that have helped you with key priorities in the talent space um, when it comes to DEI? Um, I mean, I think, you know, we're also doing a lot of work on the development space, being really mindful of how we progress the talent we have. So again, I think, you know, if you, um, if you start to think about some of those more non-traditional backgrounds, it's a lot easier to do some of that in more entry-level roles where you can then give people some of the on-the-job training to build the skills and capabilities that you need um, for, you know, perhaps more advanced careers. Um, but but that means you're also then developing people into those more advanced careers. So you have to do both. Um, and, uh, and I think it's really important when you, again, from that assessment call out earlier, you know, one of the things that, that we do is, you know, look at our diversity also by um, leader level kind of in the organization. And if you see a place where there's a breakdown kind of understanding, hey, what is the, we, we've got talent here, but they're not making it here. Like why? And what can we do to help develop people into that? Make sure people are ready for it. I am also known as a talent exporter. I have been known to stand on stage and say, hire my people. Like I want to be able to, um, I want to be able to create more, don't hire my people right now, PS. But um, uh, when I worked at Mod, we did a lot of, um, we did a lot of work where we brought in folks um, who were formerly incarcerated and had, um, you know, nobody, a lot of people didn't want to be the first one to employ someone because they weren't sure how, you know, if they were really um, employment ready. And so we put a lot of work into hiring those folks. And then we um, you know, invested in helping them get GEDs or, you know, various different degrees, building out resumes. Um, but, but we knew that that it was a restaurant space and it was not, um, you know, not always a career for people. So, so I was like, Hey, you know, if you hire my people into their next, that's, that's a win for them. And it opens up a spot for me to bring somebody else kind of into that mix. Um, so I think, you know, knowing what role you play as an employer, doing your best, like we all, um, we all have an opportunity to raise up um, the, you know, collective gifts that our employees have. And, um, and there is, you know, some shared responsibility, I think, in that and in developing talent for those next levels. Um, I, I hate it when I hear that, um, you know, there's not available talent. It's like, well, then shame on us, shame on all of us, shame on you, shame on me. Like, what are we doing to actually create the talent so that there's more women CEOs and there are more women on boards and there are more people of color in pretty much every leadership level. Like, let's all be in it together and help each other and help kind of create 
more opportunities by looking at it, you know, broader than just our, our own kind of, you know, nuclear organizations. So um, probably a little provocative and <laughs> um, uh, not, not what you normally hear, but I do think that, you know, we, we try, we want our people to stay because um, it's a place that they can continue to grow. And if we get to a place where their next opportunities outside of our walls, I want to celebrate that they're ready for that and, you know, congratulate whomever gets to um, help them in their, that next step of their journey. Totally agree. A huge believer in that myself. Um, you you mentioned don't hire people now, P.S. Um, <laughs> I think we're all in the same boat on that one um, and, and looking to hang on to the talent that we do have. Um, so do you have any retention strategies that you think all organisations should be implementing? Um, yeah, good question. I mean, again, I think I think coming alongside your folks, being as transparent as you can be and honest and, and partnering with them um, in their journeys. Uh, you know, I just did a, a new employee orientation session today and I do, I talk to people about the entire employee journey, um, acknowledging that we want to be a part of it with them. We don't want to just be a job. We don't want to be just a quick stop. We want to be a place they can grow. Um, but I think it's important to make sure that we're just being honest and real um, I think it's important that we focus on flexibility, recognizing, you know, in particular, um, every new generation, uh, you know, has a has a different expectation around that than I think the ones before. Um, we as a human, um, you know, group are all kind of starting to demand some different things. So as organizations, I think being really mindful of where you can um, focus on policies that introduce flexibility in a way that makes sense for your organization. Um, you know, being being willing to um, listen is really important. We do a lot of um, surveys and just opportunities to have our employees' voices be heard. I find that even if people don't, um, even if you land on something that's different from what somebody would hope, if they've had an opportunity to be heard and they know that, that can make a huge difference. Um, and that's that's a big one, I think, is you know, people, people want to ensure that their voice matters. So creating opportunities for that. Um, I mean, we could probably go on and on forever, but those are those are maybe some of the key ones that I can think of. And and some great suggestions there. Um, the power of listening should um, you know should resonate with everyone. Um, we could probably, to your point, keep going, um, <laughs> not just on that topic, but um, so many others. Um, but before we wrap up, um, there's one last question um, that we pose to all of our guests here on the Talent Experience podcast, um, and that is, what do you love most about your work and what mm. do you wish you'd have known when you started? That's a really great question. Um, I mean, both of those are really great questions. I think what I love most is knowing that my work really matters and it's not always fun and easy. <laughs> uh, you know, some of it can be quite challenging in particular the last few years um, has been, you know, a, a lot um, in the, in the HR space and the people and culture space, but I know that the work that I do matters. And so it, it does help me to stay really intentional and focused in what I'm doing. And what I wish I knew when I was starting out, I don't know, maybe that same thing, right? Work that it matters. I'm like envisioning myself talking to an earlier me 
I think perhaps it is that sense of you don't have to do it alone, like we were just talking about earlier. Unfortunately, I think often in particular, you know, in the people space, because there's always, uh, I mean, during the vast majority of my working career, there's been this like war on talent. And then it feels like we're fighting with each other. And um, I don't want to be fighting with each other, right? I want to be, I want to be creating such an amazing talent pool holistically that we all have what we want. I want to be working from a place that isn't of abundance versus a place of scarcity. Um, and, and I do think the more we work together and the more we think about ways that we can be in partnership, leveraging expertise, and also just working towards, you know, societal wins, um, you know, the more the work is meaningful and, um, and the more grounding it is in those moments when it can be quite challenging. I love that. I love that. I think the more um, we can come together as a community to support each other um, from a people and culture perspective makes it not such a lonely place. Yeah. Um, thank you. Thank you, um, Megan. You've been uh, an amazing guest. Um, thank you for being part of the talent experience community. Uh, we've appreciated you taking time out of what is no doubt um, a, a very busy schedule um, to sit down and chat with us today. Awesome. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure participating, Susan. Thank you. And for the Talent Experience Podcast, I've been Susan Lowe and thanks again for listening. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Talent Experience Podcast. For more talent experience and future of work conversations, visit talentexperiencepodcast.com. Follow us on Twitter at TalentXPodcast. Or join the conversation with hashtag Talent Experience Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, or Twitter. The Talent Experience Podcast was brought to you by the fabulous Fuelies at Fuel50.